0: We're on, this is the Let's Talk Cheer podcast, and I'm your host, Jason Larkin, where we talk cheer, we talk life, and we talk whatever comes to mind. 5, 6, 7, 8, let's get started. Turn it up You tune it in to Let's Talk Cheer with Jason Larkin. We're talking cheer, we're talking like We know we're always talking. So listen up, you boy, I'm about to go all in. 5, 6, 7, 8, we're on, let's get this is episode number 83. Not sure if there's going to be an 84, but thank you for joining. We have a great episode for you guys today, now on YouTube. So if you prefer to watch podcasts like me on YouTube instead of just listening to them, join us there. We would love to have you. Today, Brittany and I are talking about our first competition. We're talking about the showcase being on the infamous air floor. And our question of the week is about what you do when you get bad Choreography. We're also bringing back TikTok, Cheer Talk, and people were in my comments again, so I had to respond. But before we get into that, we're still doing our Instagram contest. I am giving away a free. Coaches Training. I have several topics that I talk about when I do coaches clinics and you'll get one of those for free. We'll hop on a Zoom call together and we'll talk to you and the coaches in your gym about some cheer. If you're a parent and not a coach or gym owner, you can still enter the win on behalf of your gym and I'm sure your gym would really appreciate that. All you have to do to win is share this podcast on your Instagram story and tag me in the post at Jason Larkins. That's it. Share the podcast on your i G story tag me and you are entered the winner will be announced on episode 85 the more shares the more entries now real quick shout out to my mother Sheila Sarah Robin Adriana Chanel Tamara and our newest supporter and I'm so sorry your name got kind of messed up in the thing All it says is my cell. So whoever you are, my cell, we appreciate you guys. As I said earlier, we are now on YouTube and our financial supporters allow those things to happen. Again, we truly, truly appreciate you guys. I'm the cheer director at American cheer, aksc.com, sharing with you my life, running a program, managing a staff, coaching the athletes, and working with the parents. And on the other side of the microphone is a real-life cheer mom who represents you parent listeners and asks all the questions that you parents have at home. Don't be less when you can be more. Be more. We've had the showcase. We've had our first competition. Lots to talk about, not to mention everything else we're going to hop into this episode. But what is going on with you? How's life?
1: Life is good. Just coming off of our first, you know, like competition and then showcase. So, life is good. Trying to get over all this sickness that's going around with seems like everybody. So yeah about it looking forward to the holidays and all that good stuff
0: yeah the whole world has it right it reminds me of last year when we went to gssa when you were like the first person we like hey the girls have covid and i was like okay the girls have covid and then after that like it was non-stop emails of everyone it seemed like the whole world had covid and right now though it seems like the whole world has whatever this new thing that everyone has going like everyone has it like the you know we had we were missing seven athletes last night from senior red and i was like "Okay, well." Not much we can do right now. So you know we try to make the best of it. But we go, but yeah, everyone's sick right now. But yeah, a lot of good showcase. First competition. We're trucking through. We're getting at it. But before we talk about that, let's hop into the sounds like that question of the week. Sounds like that is the official music producer of the Let's Talk Cheer podcast and all of our American tier tracks. Link in the description. Check them out. Go to the show notes. Let them know Let's Talk Cheer sent you. And uh all of our teams have music right now. So if you don't have music, you're frustrated with your music producer, you need to call up. Sounds like that. B, hit us with the question of the week.
1: All right. Question of the week is what would you do if your gym's choreographer did not deliver this year? Rebook next year or find a different one?
0: All right, so your choreographer came in. He or she did not deliver. What should you do? Should you book him again or her next year? I'm just going to say him just to make it easy. Should you book him again next season or should you try someone new? That's a great question. If you have a question that you want answered on the show, there's a link in the description in the show notes. Go down, click on the link, and we'll answer your question. We'll get it in the show. So yeah, if that happened, I guess if we're talking about us right now, it's Brendan, right? Brendan came in, and if you've been listening to the podcast, for a while, you know that Brendan has been our choreographer for the last several years, last five years or so. And if he came in and he didn't deliver this year, I would not rebook with someone new next year. Not every choreographer or not every routine or everything that the choreographer does you like absolutely love and fall in love with. But with us, Brendan has an established rapport with us. He has a track record of really good routines. You know, we are typically on the same wavelength when it comes to, you know, the routine routines and putting together the routine. So if he like just had an off year, I wouldn't be looking to replace him immediately. Now, if I am shopping around, right, and you know, I'm just now getting into the game or, you know, my choreographer retired and I just need to find a new choreographer and then this choreographer came in and like there's nothing I liked about their choreography. I was like, man, this was, there was like no redeeming qualities about this choreography or about this person. Then I would definitely be looking for a new choreographer. I'd be shopping around to see what could happen. So I would definitely try to book someone. I would be putting out my feelers for someone else to bring in the next season. If it got to that point, if the choreography were that bad, like really, really bad, I would probably look to, depends on the team and the scenario, I would probably look to hire another choreographer to kind of clean up the mess that they've made, right? So again, that depends on The team and the division and a couple other factors, like how bad really is it? Is there anything that we can do ourselves? Because a lot of times choreographers come in and they do things and you don't love every single count of every single eight count of every single routine. And there's things where you go, okay, that's cute, but it's not really for this particular team. Like that might be too advanced for them or too slow for them. And we'll go and we'll revamp things to match our style or our culture or, you know, that age group or whatever the case may be. So, you know, we'll really do things, Even with Brendan, even with the routines that we absolutely love, there's always things that we switch and rearrange, right? So I would try to find some things I like in the routine. If there weren't that many things, then yeah, you got to bring in a new choreographer.
1: From a parent perspective, I think it's hard for a parent to really even have a perspective on it. I know that parents will say, oh, you know, we've been doing this for 17 years and we know about choreography. I don't think that they really truly know as much as coaches do. Mm -hmm. That's just my opinion. Don't come at Mm -hmm. me. I think that if it, like you said, if it were just one year, then, you know, you probably would definitely rebook with him. But it also is, I think you want to, like, shop around for someone that is, like, reputable. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't just want to go down to the junior high and ask for their choreographer.
0: (laughs) The hard part is... There's only few people who are truly gifted in choreography, like truly gifted in choreography, right? But there's a billion gyms, right? And only five like really good choreographers, right? And so you're always fighting with, you know, choreographers stay booked. If you're a good choreographer, you stay booked all year long. You know, I have lots of choreographer friends, obviously, in the industry. And so many of them on their Facebook pages are like I haven't had a day off in the last 60 days because they are constantly on the road, you know, doing routines and doing routines and doing routines, especially during the summer when you need to get it. And, you know, sometimes we need a choreography to get revamped. And we're like, hey, we need you to come in when do you have available? And like, yeah, I don't have anything available until November. And you're like, November? Like, what are we supposed to do until November? Right. You know, that's the hard part. Sometimes you you don't have a choice but to go down to the junior high and be like, hey, that's your choreography because there's no one available. You know, truly gifted choreographers are few and far between, right? So that's one thing. If it's a team, you know what? You know, we talked about the last couple weeks, we brought up the Youth 5, right? There's only one team in the nation with a Youth 5. Now, if I didn't love their choreography, but we're the only team in the nation... I'm not going to rebook, you know, I'm not going to fly a choreographer out and rebook everything because those things cost real money, right? And that real money comes out of parents' pockets, right? Like the money, that's where the money comes from to pay, that pays for choreography. So, you know, I'm not going to rebook a flight and a hotel and food and not to mention the choreography fees all for a team that doesn't compete against anyone all season long, right? So if I'm like, well, you know, comparatively to our division... We really don't need it right now, or we don't, we might not need it. So I have to weigh those things. If it's a highly competitive division, right? And we're going to see several teams all season long and I need the choreography right now, then, you know, you can justify spending the money. So that kind of plays into it. There's sometimes I'm like, "Ah, I'm just not in love with this particular section, but is it going to be good enough to go out there and win competitions, right? I don't love this section, but we're hands or heads and shoulders above the rest of our competition. Then we can still win with it. Then I'll go ahead and go with that. So, you know, there's some other factors that play into it, but all right, that is the question of the week. Again, if you have a question of the week, leave them, click the link, leave yours. Uh, There's another question that came in that I'll answer right now, just because it's a quick, easy answer. Someone asked about the message boards that we talk about often, the coaches boards. Like, hey, where are you always referencing like these Facebook groups? So here you go. Three I reference the most, ASGA, All-Star Gym Owners and Coaches Association, All-Star Tumbling Coaches, ran by Shea Crawford, friend of the show, And then the last one, NG All-Star Coaches or Owners and Coaches. So Next Gen Coaches and Owners. That's a really good one too. So those are the three I always reference and the three I'm probably on the most on Facebook. So really good stuff in there for coaches. But yeah, all right, here we go. Let's move on to our thoughts about Showcase, First Competition. B, you know, what'd you think? Parents sitting out there in the crowd. What were your thoughts?
1: I thought it was really good. I feel, and I know Showcase, for people that don't know, Showcase is Ashley's baby. She will say that. Anyone will tell you that. And that is, you know, Jason's life. I think Ashley does an amazing job every year of putting on Showcase and how organized it is. There has to be so much, like, blood, sweat, and tears that goes into that. I think every year it keeps getting bigger and bigger while we were in our new location this year. And as bad as it sounds, like, I Still feel like it was a little too small for us. <laughs> and I think that anyone that went to our showcase could agree. You know, we were there early. We actually tailgated all day long. And when we went to showcase, there were people already standing in line. People were standing in line for like two and a half hours before showcase started. And I get it because they wanted to get in and get like the perfect spot. The good thing about our seating where we were at this year is I don't really think there was a bad spot in the house. Mm-hmm. For the first performance for the girl or first session, I sat to the very right. And then for the second session, I was pretty much like in the middle at the top. I thought it was a really good turnout. I think all the teams looked really good. It's just nice to see like all the hard work that they've been putting in through the summer and then the weekly practices to see it like finally come together. I know that my kids were excited about Showcase and I don't really feel like they've ever been excited, but I think as they get older they're finally like, oh, our hard work's paying off. We, we finally get to mm-hmm. perform. So I thought it ran, ran really, really smooth and, you know, hats off to Ashley because she did such a great job and she does a great job every year, but were just growing so much that you know it was pretty crowded
0: yeah and yeah you gave a shout out to ashley i'm gonna give a shout out to the parents that helped and volunteered we have a lot of parents that helped and volunteered i didn't plan on doing this but i'll, I'll do it right now not even sure if any of them listen to the pod but let's see Callenbergers helped out chase was there leslie amy Teresa, yorba i'm not even sure who else was there if i'm missing anyone B, you probably helped out a bit. I don't even know. Did you help out? What'd you do?
1: (laughs) I did not help out. But if Ashley ever wanted me to, I would. I don't mind. I will have to say this, though, because I've totally forgot to bring it up to you. For the second session for Youth Black, I had did two shout outs. And Kinsley's only got red. Rylan's didn't get red. So she asked me, she's like, did you do a shout out for me? I'm like, yeah, I don't know what happened. Like, I'll have to talk to Coach Jason. So-
0: no I remember reading both of them because they were apart I remember them being apart from each other I remember reading one of them and expecting the next one to be the other one and it wasn't and I was like oh that's kind of weird and then it was the very next one and I was like okay that's better because I was going to make a joke about oh you only did one twin but I was like oh I'm not going to do it and I don't remember specifically in the second session but I remember that I remember that scenario in the first session because I remember it was odd that they weren't like right next to each other like oh they must have got mixed up in the shuffle or whatever so yeah Kensley Ryland, you're parents both your parents love you and you know shout out uh but yeah i thought the showcase went good it was great to get out there in october you know to get out so early and just to be having that deadline just forces you to get the teams ready so it was one it was great to feel like that pressure of having to be ready for the competition or you know for the showcase and then be ready for it you know so that was good i felt like the teams were really prepared you know we talked before the last time we were on you're like, you know how do you feel how do you feel the teams and i was saying something like yeah I feel like the teams are going to be ready and I feel like they have done everything they need to do to be prepared for the moment and I thought the teams looked great I really did if you didn't know we did our showcase on the infamous air track. so last year TSN with Tammy Van Fleet they rolled out the air floor for the first time and there was lots of controversy about the air floor like is this safe and blah blah and all these things and we were going to do our showcase we it, as B keeps saying we moved the showcase from American and we actually did it at the local high school. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Corey Rob, who is the dean at Liberty and the one that hooked us up with the, the venue. But we were like, oh, we don't feel like moving a whole spring floor. Like, this is going to be crazy. And so we're like, what can we do with the air floor? So we decided to, we talked to Tammy, reached out to her, and we got to borrow the air floor. And, you know, Tammy came on, talked about the air floor, you know, just everything. You know, she gave her defense on the air floor and why it was safe and everything. But there's a lot of people who were like, oh, it's so unsafe and all these things. So naturally, I was a little bit nervous about it. I will be honest with you i was a little bit nervous about the air floor but my whole thought process was of our 12 teams well we have 12 american teams plus freedom 13 plus cheer 101 and cheer 202 so what is that 13 14 15 so we about 15 performances or so there might be another team in there that i'm missing oh 16 with fundamentals so we had 16 performances and of those 16 performances you know we have youth level three who has to do like airbound tricks senior level three and senior level four. And so those were the teams I was most nervous about with the air floor. And I was like, okay, well, it's a small percentage of our program. And, you know, those are the teams that we, if we had to make any adjustments, those are the teams we'll make adjustments for. So, you know, we get the air floor. I made sure that thing was pumped up to the brim. I didn't want it to be, you know, like a bounce house, inflatable kids flying everywhere. So I pumped it up as much as I could, tried to make it like pretty stiff. And then with all of those teams, we had them do their roundoff answering time. And first I told them when we first got there, when we, when we first started warming up tumbling, like, Hey guys, first things first, I only care about your safety. Your safety is the only thing that matters. We don't have anyone to impress here in this gym. You know, we're out here so we can get in front of a crowd, but you know, your safety, that is number one, first priority. So, if, you know, we're tumbling and you don't feel comfortable throwing, you know, tuck or whatever. Just let me know. We'll water it down. We'll make whatever adjustments we need to so you feel comfortable out there on the floor you know so i told them that but we did a lot of we warmed up we did a lot of punches and just a lot of like general tumbling warm-up basics so they could get really used to the floor standing tumbling was all fine we get into running tumbling and you know we have them um, again all the basics over and over and over again so they could really feel the floor and you know we get into the round offs and series handsprings they do tucks and they're fine and then we just told them hey guys for the level three teams we just said hey we'll do the both teams open up with round answering tucks we'll do the round off answering tucks and then for the combo passes later let's just go ahead and throw front walk over round off handspring we don't need to do the tuck at all and so we did that with all the teams all the kids felt comfortable with that and for the level four team they just did everything round of answering tucks, no matter what their pass is in the routine, round up that answering tuck. And so they did standing two answerings in a tuck, standing one answering in a tuck, round of answering tucks for all their running tumbling passes. And everyone was great. It went really well. I honestly think that it was a good floor. And what most people are most nervous about, it's not the surface that they practice on, right? And during a competition day, nerves go up and kids do funky things when their nerves go up. And so now we have two variables. We have the variable of the floor plus the variable of just them not being, you know, completely focused, right? And so I was a little worried about that. But watering down the running tumbling, you know, eliminating that and only having to do round off hand string, tuck, you know, that eliminated a lot of like variables that could happen, right? And the athletes were great. It really was. So I thought that went well. We had a kid pee on the floor, like one of the tiny twinkles. A oh tiny my. twinkle, yes. During warm ups, a tiny twinkle peed on the floor. And they're like, Coach, we got a scenario. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, let's pee or whatever. But it was super cool because. I went, I grabbed a rag, I had some, you know, some soapy water on me, I happened to have some on me, and, you know, sprayed it, cleaned it up, and there we go, right? And the kids were talking to me after, and they're like, so coach, like, what'd you really think of the floor? And I basically told them, you know, I, I don't think it's a bad idea for the industry to transition to this. I'm not saying that we should. I don't think it's a terrible idea, though. And the kids were kind of like, "What? yeah, ah, it's that." Ah. And, and I'm like, guys, I totally understand. When I cheered, I totally understand it's a different floor. And so kids would have to get used to that. The whole industry would have to transition to it. But when I was cheering, we did not have spring floors. When I was doing All-Stars, we only had hard floor. And that's what we were used to. When the spring floor got introduced... Anytime I tumbled on a spring floor, I absolutely hated it. And I probably felt the same way that athletes tumbling on that floor, you know, the way I felt about tumbling on the spring floor, these athletes feel about tumbling on the air floor, right? Because it was just totally foreign. It was just something different. So athletes would have to get used to it. A kid like a month ago or so got hit in the nose at practice, broke her nose, nose is bleeding, blood gets on the floor and, you know, we go and we clean it up and, you know, we try our best, but, you know, it's in the carpet. So, you know, we, we spray some stuff, we put some paper towels over it and we, you know, soak it up, but, you know, it is blood and it's in the carpet and the kids put tape over it and, you know, so there's like a spot on the ground with tape on the floor in the Southwest. So you ever see that in the spot in the Southwest, it's because someone was bleeding there. And I told the kids, look at the difference between these two scenarios. When that kid peed on the floor, I went over there with soap and water, wiped it up, we're all good. When there was blood on the floor the other day at the Southwest, you know what we did? We just put tape over and called it a day, right? So there's like a significant like, hygiene, cleanliness difference between you know, having that air floor and traditional spring floor. I don't think the industry is going to switch over to the air floor, but I think that the industry should give it an opportunity because once kids get on, I think it'll be a lot e- It'll be easier for everyone in general to have it. So that was just my opinion on the floor. I thought the showcase went well. First competition, unless you want to talk about the uh, air floor.
1: No, I'm good. I mean, I my kids said that they loved it. Most people that I know, their kids have air tracks anyways, and it's, the, it's just bigger. My kid, I asked Kinsley how it was, and she was like, yeah. I got so much higher which you know makes sense but i i think it just it's just like change any mm-hmm. people don't like change so you have to get used to it but it worked fine for me i'm not out there tumbling on it or coaching on it so i probably don't understand it as much as coaches or athletes do but i think it's like the sanitary thing like you brought up that's i think that's a big thing that's pretty definitely more cleanliness but you know my girls liked it so <laughs> that's it is what it is
0: there we go and you know that's the last time they have to be on it this year right so all right so let's hop into your thoughts on the first competition so we went down to ontario ontario convention center nice home opener it was basically us cali a couple other maybe like two other d2 gyms and a couple live streams so what were your thoughts on the first competition
1: I just wasn't that impressed. And here's my reasoning why. I know for the other teams, it was just like a showcase for them, for them to present their routines to their family, friends, things like that. So if I look at it from that perspective, it was good. I thought that the event center, um, it was nice and it was big. It was open, didn't have a problem, you know, getting down there or anything. But as far as like a competition I think for our elite teams that, you know, people have been doing this for a while as an elite parent, I wouldn't want to go back to it as if I was a prep parent and I was new or, you know, tiny, you know, the tiny teams, I think it's great. I just didn't really consider it like a competition type thing, if that makes sense.
0: It makes sense. But B, I always feel like you you always look at things in the micro and you've got to look at things from the big perspective. The big perspective, you know, football has preseason. It's not like the players want to do a preseason, right? They're like half the starters don't even play in preseason, right? But they do a preseason to prepare the athletes. I remember this very distinctly. You know, one of our first competitions last year, you were like, they were, I'm going to tell you the truth. They were a hot mess, right? (laughs) And they're a hot mess because they need more reps on the floor, right? Mm -hmm. And so here's where we're stuck. This is, these are two quotes from Brittany Moore. I don't think we should do that competition again. Here's the other quote. They were a hot mess, right? And so you have to pick one of them. You either want them to be a hot mess at their first competition, right? You want to wait until a later, bigger event for them to compete, or you have to sacrifice and compete earlier so they don't look a hot mess later, right? So that's like the give and the take because athletes get better with reps, on the floor, right? They need to be in front of, and the coaches need it too. We need to have the pressure of having a set deadline of when these routines need to be ready. And then we need to actually go out there and compete in front of a crowd, right? And this happens a lot. There's so much going on throughout the season where you're like, man, I got to get this done. Or with the routines and the teams, you're like, I got to get this done. I got to get this done. I got get this done. And so you put some things on the back burner. I know specifically that TSN, they don't call legalities. They call them, but they don't address them. They don't deduct for them on their score sheet. They'll just give you a warning. They talk about it as educational, right? We'll let you know what the deduction is or what the legality is, but we won't actually take it off your score. With that in mind, I go, cool, I'm not going to worry about legalities heading into this competition because they're going to tell me what my legalities are. And then I can take that information and make adjustments to the routine on things I just overlooked. because sometimes you get legality where you know something is legal, but you don't realize the kids are doing it illegally because you're just like kind of blind to it because you know a TikTok at the prep level level three or a release move is legal but the kid had the wrong grip or whatever like there's these things that you know are legal you think they're doing it that way but they're not really doing it that way and a judge who has fresh eyes goes oh yeah you're doing that illegally right now Believe it or not, we had lots of legalities in that routines, lots of them, tons of them, more than I would care to admit, tons of them in those routines. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's illegal. Yeah, there we go. They called us on that. They called us on that. They called us on that. Like we were getting them all day long, right? You would much rather have that at a November 6th competition where we don't really go against anyone than when we go all the way to Vegas for American Grant, Right something else happened. Coaches, pay attention to this. I hope you're listening. This isn't going to affect everyone. Something else I learned about the competition. Majority for 30 is now five stunt groups. Coaches, majority for 30 athletes, 28 to 30 athletes is now five stunt groups. It's never been that. It hasn't been that for the last at least four. Four years. It hasn't been that. No. 2018, we did four baskets. So 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021. So the last four years, majority for 30 has been four. Apparently, this year, it's been changed to five. You know how I found that out? When we didn't get all of our basket points this year on one of the teams. And I went, "That that's not right. We should have gotten all of our basket points. And I went, and the comment said, you need five for majority. And I went, no, you don't. You need four for majority. And I went, looked at the score sheet. Oh, they changed that. That's a brand new thing. So coaches, and I know not every coach knows that because... I watched some videos of other teams that went this weekend, and they have four baskets as well on a team of 30. So this is just a public PSA for all of you guys. And I text our local uh, scoring specialist and he's like, yeah, it's five. He's like, it's always been five. I was like, no, it hasn't. I know that for a fact because I coach large teams every year. Anyway, but apparently it changed this year. But I found that out. That would have been really devastating to find out at our first like major competition, right? I found it out at a competition where we weren't going against anyone. So, you know, we need these as much as I know it's not that fun to go down and kind of like these small competitions they are needed for the season. Again, every other sport has a preseason, you know, everyone has this preseason so they can get kinks out and they can do these things and they can get feedback from judges so we can see how the kids react in front of a crowd and, you know, all of those things. We got some, you know, some pretty good feedback.
1: Well, this is why we do the podcast because it makes sense. I mean, not that it never made sense, but it's nice to know that that is you know, a factor in going to this competition and that it benefited us more than what us parents know, because now we have time or you guys have time to go in there and fix the things that they corrected us on. I mean, I'm not speaking for all parents, but I think if the parents knew like, hey, this is why we went to a one day, you know, and this competition, it was so we can basically prepare for the season. If I would have known that I would have thought like totally different before you explained it to me, I would have been like, okay, cool. You know, like it's just to see how things are going. So that's why we do the podcast.
0: Yeah. And I remember this back when I was at PCM, we used to go to American grand, like we went last year. And I remember one year we didn't go to the home opener, right? It was actually TSN is Tammy's event and she used to own GSSA. And so she used to have the GSSA, like SoCal classic every year. And for whatever reason, we weren't going to go to the SoCal classic before American grand. And I remember being like, we're not going to SoCal Classic. Like, our first event is going to be American Grand, like a big competition that we all care about. Right. And you don't want that to be your first competition. Like, you just don't want your first event to be a big event because you learn so much from the kids. And there's so much that happens that you need the kids to get used to. You know, there's a whole, you know, the whole warm up process. There's like, it takes a while to get like things warmed up and you know you need the kids to get used to going through because it's not just the routine. They have to go through the whole pre-warm up process, the whole warm-up process, you know, getting on the floor, making adjustments. There's all these things that happen on a competition day that you need that the coaches need to get used to and that the athletes need to get used to before they go out on the stage for the first time at a competition that has things that has money on the line, right? Where you're like, really, really care about. So that's just my opinion. You know, last year, our biggest thing was that we did the Bacon battle. And then the very next weekend, we went to American Grand or the weekend. Yeah, the very next weekend, we went to American Grand. So it wasn't that much time to implement The feedback we got from Bakel Battle to American Grand. Usually we do Bakel Battle. And then we have several weeks before our next competition. So we have a little bit more time to implement those things. But we didn't. It was so back-to-back that it was like, man, we went to this competition. Now we go to this competition and, and we're going, right? And so I think when we compare December, the competition we're going to in Pomona to American Grand, like we look at the routines, we'll see a vast difference between those two routines, and like where we are ready for the season. And you go, okay, like this really was, you know, worth it, especially me, me, I'm always trying to look at things from the big perspective. I'm trying to like prepare the teams for the season and be ready. But yeah, Good good deal. All right, here we go new segment. And we introduced this a few weeks ago, the TikTok cheer talk. So this is what happens. I've been a lot more active on TikTok recently. And so I've been posting clips from the episode, but also people have been asking me just general questions about cheerleading. And I've been sure to respond to those questions and make videos and all those things. So if you want to follow me on TikTok at jasonc.larkins on TikTok, and you can join the conversation there. So again, clips from the podcast, but also some extra stuff that doesn't quite make the podcast. But I had posted something about when athletes take a year off that athletes taking year off of cheer to focus on tumbling, why that doesn't work. And so I posted that. And basically the premise was, you know, you don't see this in any other sport. You don't see a quarterback in football go, you know what? I'm going to take the year off of football just so I can focus on throwing. And I mentioned there's more than just throwing involved in being a good quarterback. Like actually playing football is going to make you a better player because you have to read defenses, handle the pressure, leadership, you know, avoiding sacks. And there's a litany of things that quarterbacks have to do besides throw, right? And someone had commented, I agree, but name another sport that one aspect of the sport can hold you back from progression in the sport. And I thought it was such a good follow-up question that I was like, you know what? I'm going to answer that on the pod. So, really good question. Yeah, you know, what other sport can one aspect of the sport hold you back from progression in it? And the truth is, all sports have aspects of them that if you don't master will hold you back from success in the sport. So it's it's literally all sports. The big problem with the way we're looking at it right now is that word progression, right? And we have a way of measuring progression in cheerleading and we think that when we measure progression in cheerleading, that we're talking about moving up throughout the levels. But here's the big difference between football, like most other youth sports, and cheerleading. In cheerleading, you are separated by age and by skill level, right? When you make a team, your daughters are on youth level three, so they are, are at one time 11 and under, and they have you know, level three skills, right? And so they're separated by age and ability. In other youth sports, you're only separated by age. You're not separated by ability. So you can move up and progress without actually progressing and getting better at the sport, right? I played football from first grade through the 12th grade, right? And I started on Mighty Mites and I did two years on Mighty Mites and then I did two years on junior Pee Wee. Then I did a year or two, I can't remember, a year or two on Pee Then I did a year on junior midgets. Then I did a year on midgets. And then I went and played high school football, right? Freshman team, JV, two years of varsity, right? Now that sounds like, oh, Jason, you progressed throughout the level. Now- Kids tend to get better as they get older, but when you're lacking a skill, they don't put you on a different team because everyone makes a team. There's 50 kids on the team, you know, high school football, there's 80 kids on the team and they don't, you know, separate you by skill level. We're all made the freshman team together and the good freshmen played, the bad freshmen rode the bench, right? Then we all moved up to JV together and the good kids played and the bad kids rode the bench, right? And... That's life right there. The big difference with all-star cheer is that with all-star cheer, because of the way the score sheet is designed, everyone has to participate in the routine. Everyone has to have something to do that brings value to the routine. And if they don't bring value to the routine, you can't have them on the team. You have to find another team that they can participate in. So if they can't do level three skills, then you can't put them, you know, and it's not necessarily tumbling, but tumbling, stunts, whatever, you know, it's usually one of those two things. If they can't do one of those two things, you have to put them on the level two team where they can participate and be part of the numbers, right? In other youth sports, you just ride the bench, right? Now, I have said this many times on the podcast, but I was a terrible baseball player, terrible. And I think there's like a three inning minimum and you know what I did? I played three innings every game. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, hey, hey, this game I was playing six innings. I played three innings every game and that was it, right? And as soon as my three innings were done, <laughs> I was back on the bench and I chilled out and and that was my life, right? Because I couldn't hit or catch or, you know, do any of these other, you know, things. I couldn't field the ball. I don't know what I was bad at. I was just terrible at everything, right? And so you know, my coaches didn't play me, but I went from 12U or U12s or 12U to 13U. And it's like viewed as progression. But the reality is I didn't get any better. And if I played the next year, I still wouldn't have been any better. I just would have been on an older an older team, right? So that is my answer for name one sport that holds you back based on one thing. All sports will hold you back. Every aspect of of the sector of society, you'll get held back if you lack to master certain skills. But B, let's hear from you.
1: That is a lot to unpack, but I definitely do agree with you on like not taking a year off just to tumble because I think there's other factors that go into cheerleading besides tumbling. I see growth all the time in my kids and the things that they learn from being at practices. So I think if they came to me and said, mom, I want to take a year off just to tumble so I can make senior black next year. For one, we would definitely like have a conversation as a family. And then for two, we would have a meeting with you guys. I just think taking a year off, To tumble or to whatever it is, I think it sets you back because you're not including everything that makes cheerleaders great cheerleaders. You know, you might just be Mm -hmm. working on tumbling when you should be working on getting your like endurance levels up. You know, you Mm -hmm. might forget about that. You know, what if you're not doing your workout and then you're going to become a weak base and you were a strong base? I think there's a lot of factors that go into taking a year off that people don't really think about. So that's my. Put on that.
0: And here's what I'll say I'm not against kids taking a year off. Sometimes kids need a break and they're just like, I'm a little burnt out of the sport. I don't love it the way I used to. I just want some time off. I want to try soccer. I want to try basketball. I'm totally okay if people want to take a year off of the sport. I am against kids taking a year off for the sole purpose of focusing on tumbling so they can move up. Now, in the grand scheme of things, that plan in theory works. In theory, it works if you took the year off, Focus on tumbling, then came back the next year, had all your tumbling, that in theory would work. The big problem with it is, is that no one ever does it, is that they take the year off and they never get into tumbling classes or they get into tumbling classes way too late and they're just like, yeah, I never actually committed to this plan. So they have the plan and they never actually commit to it. So that's like, that's the biggest issue with it. No one ever commits to it, minus everything else we already talked about, that there's more than just, you know, tumbling when it comes to placing athletes. Someone asked a follow-up question later about, you know, what about gymnasts? Why can gymnasts go and make a higher level team with no cheer experience? And so here's what I will say with the uh, the gymnasts or, you know, power tumblers, right? This is my opinion. This is what I've done in the past years is that rarely, I'm not going to say never because I can't say that conclusively, but rarely will I put a gymnast on a team that matches if it's our first year cheering that matches their tumbling ability. So I am a level four tumbler, right, cheer tumbler. I can do a layout, I can do a standing tuck, I can do standing handspring tuck, two to tuck, all these level four skills. Skills we consider level four in cheerleading. I rarely put that athlete directly, you know, straight to a level four team because they have so much other things that they just have all these other holes in their game, right, they've never done jumps to tumbling, they've never stunted level four, they've never done all these things. So typically, I'll put those athletes at least a level down from their tumbling. That way the tumbling, we already know the tumbling is going to be super easy for them and they can focus on the, the stunting aspect, right? Stunting isn't that hard to pick up. You can hide stunters, right? If I'm, You can hide weak stunters. If I'm a weak stunter, I can put you with, let's say you're a base. I can put you with a really good flyer, a really good main base, a really good back spot throw you in as a secondary base, and you'll eventually pick it up. You'll do, you'll be good enough where you won't mess anything up for the other three really good kids. And that happens a lot. Oh, there's just a side tip. Become main bases. Be a main base. You want like a, the next, you know, tumbling will get you all the positions you really do. But I guess it's between main and second. Because if you're a really good back spot, you'll level up quickly. If you're a really good flyer, you'll level up quickly. And if you're a superior main base not just an average main base but you're a really good main base you'll level up quickly as well those are like the i know i just like named all the positions but like a really good main base is like let's go like if you're a below average tumbler and a below average secondary base like you're not going to level up but if you're a below average tumbler but an above average like a really good like an exceptional main base you'll level up for sure anyway the point is you can hide bad stunters, but you can't hide, you know, you either have good tumbling or you don't have good tumbling and it's an individual skill, right? So you can like not do your part in the team, but if you're going to tumble, like you have to tumble, like no one else can carry that weight for you. You have to carry it yourself. So- there we go. Beat. We got. what else we got to talk about? What else we got going on?
1: I hope one of these years we do end up going back to, this is like totally off topic, but I hope one of these years we do end up going back to American Grand. I really like that competition just because you were talking about it. So hopefully one year.
0: Yeah, we'll see what happens. You never know. You never know how the world's going to turn. So we'll see what's up, I guess. But yeah, I, th- I thought that was a, it just left me with such a bad taste in my mouth because of all the COVID restrictions. And I just remember it as such a fun competition. And it wasn't the same when we went last year. And I was just like, nah. And we weren't as ready as I wanted to be. Yeah. And so the combination of those two things, I was like, ah, well, you know, this year we actually probably do really well. And the competition is probably better because, you know, the lack of COVID restrictions, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you know, one of these years. But yeah, so guys, don't forget we have the Instagram giveaway going on. So share this podcast on your Instagram. Tag me in your story and you are entered to win. We will announce the winner in episode 85 that's coming up here in a couple of episodes. So the more tags, the more shares, the more entries, and you can win some one-on-one time with yours truly. Don't forget, like this, share this, leave a five-star rating, leave a review, make a donation. Without further ado, 5678, we're We're out. out. Hey, let's talk to your podcast listeners. Although this episode has come to an end, there are a few other cheer podcasts out there that you can add to your weekly routine. If you're a gym owner or gym director and want to dive more into the business side of things, then check out the Connecting People and Profits podcast with host Dan Cotton. If you're a former cheerleader and want to hear the success stories from other former cheer athletes after their cheering days are done, then you'd love the Life After Cheer podcast with host Danielle Donovan. And if you're a cheer parent and need another cheer parent to relate to and want to hear things from a cheer mom's perspective, then the cheer mom podcast is for you. Check one of them out. Check them all out. And we'll see you guys next week. Gym owners, directors, coaches, can you relate to this? You say to yourself, this season is going to be different. We're going to get all of our teams on the same page. Or maybe you're saying we're going to get all of our coaches on the same page. You look out as the teams are practicing or maybe as they are competing and you know you can do more. Let me help you. I work with several gyms, large and small, each season, whether it's the summer and we do a coach's clinic or a stunt camp, or it's during the season and we do an in-person routine cleaning. I even do routine video reviews if you're just looking for some thorough feedback of the routine. You send me your routine and I send you a video back of your routine with everything I would fix and how I would fix it. Teams I have worked with have gone on to be world champions, NCAA all-star champions, NCAA collegiate champions, summit champions, and D2 summit champions. So if this sounds like something you'd be interested in, you can reach me via email at jasonlarkinsatme.com or you can DM me on Instagram at jasonlarkins.